modular solar battery storage. AI helping with temperature management. Just microgrids overall. So data and AI is another important element right now. And ears open right now and interested to learn more. This episode was recorded at COP28 in Dubai. What does it really look like to build a sustainable future for the global majority? We are on a mission to find out. I'm Marilyn Waite. And I'm Andrew Chang. And this is the Global South Climate Tech Podcast. Where we unearth innovations that are redefining what's possible for an ecologically and socially just economy. For the global majority. Today, we are speaking with Olu J.P. Kokoi, who is the CEO of Zed Motors. And Zed Motors is a micro-mobility startup that utilizes battery-swapping stations and pay-as-you-go services for two- and three-wheelers in West Africa, specifically Benin and soon Nigeria. They are doing incredible things, and we got deep into what it takes to make clean energy work for the African continent, from policymakers to investors to what justice and equity looks like in this context. We also talked about his product, his customer base, how he's getting traction on the ground, and what are the real local challenges that his solution is solving for. I love that Olu got so real about the challenges he's facing, including in bringing more gender equity and representation of women in the logistics sector within Africa. There's a lot we cover, and I'm really excited to dive in. Welcome, Olu, to the Global South Climate Tech Podcast here at COP28 in Dubai. Thank you for having me. How is everything so far? How are you enjoying the conference? Any insights? Anything that surprises you? It has been uh, very good. Um, at first coming here, uh, I wasn't expecting seeing um, a really like big group of people and then seeing all sorts of race, ethnicity. It's very diverse. So that was um, a good, big surprise for me. Yes, I don't think it's always been as diverse. I think really there's been an effort to have the world come and that's really nice. It's the biggest cop ever, so it, it brings a certain level of energy. So tell me, Olu, you traveled from where, and how was that trip? Tell me a little bit about your home, where you come from, and yeah. Thank you, Andrew. came from Benin Republic, which is a French-speaking country, very close to Nigeria. Yeah, so there's no direct flight from Benin to Dubai, Dubai. Yeah. and there's no direct flight from Nigeria to Dubai. So I will say there's no direct flight from West Africa to Dubai. So we have to go through Ethiopia to come here. Is that on Ethiopian Airlines? Yeah, on Ethiopian Airlines. Okay, that is, for our audience, the best airline in the world. And they have a stellar track record, including that they're the most profitable company in Ethiopia. So shout out to Ethiopian Airlines. Very nice. <laughs> so let's dive into your climate story. Tell me a little bit about your company, Zed Motors, and the name behind it, and what challenges are you solving for? We launched Zed Motors in 2022. And uh, before that, uh, we were deeply involved in 
access to electricity in Africa through solar energy, so using solar panels to give electricity to people who are living off the grid, which is around 600 million people. So in Africa, we have 1.3 billion people, but more than half don't have access to electricity. So in 2012, we started that fight. And uh, in 2017, we did a study with the German corporation, GIZ, and that's when we realized that the mere access to electricity for light and TV watching doesn't really allow people in Africa to rise out of poverty. And the study demonstrated that when you give access to electricity to people, you also need to find a way to provide them with productive use of equipment, which they can be using and make money. It's only when they make money that they can be able to pay for the electricity that you provide. So we started to um, bring into the West African region some productive use of equipment related to solar energy, like uh, solar water pumps for farmers, for irrigation. We did some solar freezers as well. Tied to that, um, we found um, a technology that allowed people to pay as they are using the equipment, so pay as you go, which is remotely monitored and controlled. So if you are in Jamaica, you are an investor, or if you are in um, Miami, you are an investor, you can be able to use a platform and see uh, where your money is going, the infrastructure that you invested in, how people are using them, and how the users are making money off of that. So it's along those lines that three years ago with Kristen, we were taking a tour of uh, West Africa. We went from Togo, we came to Benin, and uh, we were stuck in uh, a traffic jam. And so we, the smoke uh, coming from the motorcycles, the honking, the noise, and the couple of the heat was just, uh, you can bear it. And we were, before that, we were in Mexico where we saw some electric motorcycles already. So we told ourselves, since we are in the energy sector, why aren't we tackling this uh, transportation issue by bringing in electric motors that will replace the ICE petrol motors in the vehicles and then offering them solar-powered batteries the same way we are offering solar-powered batteries to homes, farmers, and uh, stores that are used in freezers. So that's how the idea of Z Motors came about. And the name Z is a zero emission design. So how can we in Africa start a research and development hub that design technology that does not pollute? Yeah, that's really incredible. So really starting in the solar space and then seeing what's needed on the ground, especially in transportation mobility, and then evolving your work and your expertise into developing a battery swapping company. And then tell me more about the business model itself at Z Motors. Z Motor, we started off by importing off the shelf Chinese Indian electric motorcycles for people in the taxi and delivery service to use them. But one thing that we realized quickly was that those vehicles were not made for the African roads, potholes, dirt roads, bad roads, and also not made for the load that African people carry on two wheelers. Two-wheeler vehicles are the main mode of transportation in Africa, and a whole family is on a bicycle or motorcycle. So the Chinese, the Indians, are not making today an electric motorcycle or tricycle for the African market yet. It might happen in the next uh, five or ten years, but right now they are producing for their own market and for the European market. So quickly we started to work with locals, mechanics and electricians, to help them assemble their own electric motorcycle using components from existing 
motorcycle manufacturers, like well-known brands like Yamaha, Honda, Suzuki, brands like that. So that's kind of how the journey of Z Motor has been. And today we can say that we have about like five different companies uh, producing or assembling locally electric motorcycles. The main issue now become access to batteries and access to clean energy because we are powering these vehicles on the grid and the grid we know is not clean. So Z Motors now today focused on setting up solar battery swapping stations to enable all these uh, vehicle manufacturers and distributors to so like fast accelerate the distribution process. That's pretty incredible. So the grid in Kenya is pretty clean, over yes, 75% it is. Uh, renewable. And I'm not sure about the West African landscape. Can you tell our listeners more about, for example, in Benin, what percentage of the grid is clean? renewable? What does it look like in the neighboring countries and in the markets you serve? That's a very good question. So Benin imports most of its electricity, either from Ghana, through hydro, from Nigeria, same thing, hydro coupled with genset generators. Mm -hmm. And locally, we also use a lot of generators to produce electricity, which is... Diesel generators. Diesel generators, which is not clean. So today, because of the Millennium Challenge Corporation, which is a a U.S. agency for development, they have invested a lot of money into renewable energy production in Benin. So a lot of off-grid localities today have access to electricity based on solar power plants. Mm -hmm. So we can say today that we have about 33% of the country off-grid and the other 67% has about 50 to 55%, which is hydro and the remaining solar-based. So room for improvement to Mm. remove those diesel generators and have reliable renewables. But also there's that hydro from Ghana that supports um, clean energy. Well, in the case of Nigeria, it's worse. I know. I was thinking, are you sure Nigeria is... In Nigeria, everybody is using uh, generators. But Nigeria is selling its energy to neighboring countries. This is... Interesting and quite global because your inspiration also came from Mexico and seeing the electric uh, motorcycles there and transportation there. And this podcast is all about the global south, solidarity, innovation, genius, or what have you. So I think it's very inspiring that you have this cross-border global south um, footprint for making Zen Motors. I guess sticking to that theme, if you zoom out a little bit from the context of West Africa and Benin in particular and bring it to the entire global south, if you could wave a magic wand and have one thing happen in the world that would support climate action in the global south, what would it be? One thing I often say, and I said it in South Africa about a month ago, was the fact that in the global south, we still, I'm talking mainly about our governments, we still don't believe in um, solar panels producing enough electricity to cover our whole demand in power until the day that our government officials will acknowledge the incredible power production capabilities of solar panels, I don't think we will have enough electricity ever. I give them, oftentimes I give them the example of satellites in space. They all use cell phones and I'm always asking them, how are the satellites powered? And that's when they realize, oh, solar. Then I'm like, why don't you think you can set up solar power plant and produce enough electricity for your whole country? And the answer is just like, uh, it doesn't work. 
like inspiring satellites in space and you're saying on earth that it doesn't work. So if I have a magic wand and I, w- I can make something happen in the global south, it will be to produce enough clean electricity from the sun to cover not just the needs or the demand for power in the global south, but also to export it. That's fascinating. So you find that a lot of global south leaders are not convinced that solar can get us there. Yes, which is sad, but uh, it's the reality of the right. What do you think it's going to take to convince them and to move the needle? Um, one of the ways that I think we can bring them to start comprehending the technology behind solar energy production is to bring them to Dubai or Abu Dhabi to see one of the largest um, solar power plants in gigawatt production, which can produce enough electricity for the whole of Nigeria. I know Nigerian officials are here but I don't think they are willing to go there and see what has been set up in terms of solar electricity production, which can cover the whole of Nigeria. Nigeria is the largest, um, economically largest nation in Africa. So they need to see it. Yeah. Nothing like going there in person to see it with your own eyes and having that inspiration to then bring it back home and get to work on it. I wanted to maybe dive into your product because we slightly touched upon your product market fit in terms of the motorbikes that you've been using and having to adapt them. Tell me more about your product, uh, your specific customers, and how that's been going. Before that, I want, I want to take the time and thank the Benin government, mm. uh, as well as the Togolese government, for pushing um, how the policy around access to clean electricity by making solar panels and batteries uh, duty-free, VAT-free. And not just that, uh, today, when you import any EV parts or components, it's duty-free and VAT-free. This is opening up a new door for manufacturers as well as importers and as well as new startups in the immobility sector or the clean energy sector to come into the region and start their own business. Do you know of African Union policy that is in the same direction or any African Union policy that is also helpful for the solar industry, for the clean energy industry, for the climate-friendly kind of innovation economy? Uh, allow me to, to not be diplomatic uh, <laughs> yes. uh, on, on this question. <laughs> there's no African Union. Yeah. Or at least there's no African Union yet. Every African country tries to be its own entity, mm-hmm. develop its own policies around transportation and energy access. Some deeply believe in clean energy and clean transportation. Mm-hmm. Some still don't yet believe right. in it, like South Africa, for example. Kenya is pushing, but Kenya still has VAT on EV. So you're not the first person that's told me that. <laughs> there is apparently some kind of effort to encourage cross-border investment in Africa, in the African Union. Now, is it actually implemented? How is it working? Do the leaders really buy into it? Are they facilitating these things? That's another question. What would it mean for the African Union to actually unify around clean energy policy and actually facilitate climate-friendly innovation on the continent? That's a great question. Right now, I think it's a step-by-step. So right now, some countries already design policies around immigration within Africa. For example, Benin, uh, one of the three countries in Africa where if you hold any country's passport, any African country's passport, you come to Benin without a visa. 
Wonderful. So I think that's a first step, right? So two other countries are doing the same thing. Once we get to understand that Africa as a whole need to unite, then I think um, trade union will be the next step. It's already happening in some regions of Africa where in West Africa, if you are a member of the ECOWAS, mm -hmm. you can trade goods between ECOWAS nations. ECOWAS is the, the economical West African Union. On paper, it's perfect. <laughs> On the ground, it's another reality. Mm -hmm. A reality that we are dealing with, that's West Africa. East Africa has its own policy, union, and uh, design work. Central, same thing. South, again. When you want, you are an entrepreneur in West Africa and you want to trade between East, like say, there's a good e-mobility company producing awesome e-bikes in Kenya. I want to import that to West Africa. It's impossible. The best way to do it, they will give you the manufacturer's contact in China. Oh and then you ship from China to Benin. It's cheaper than shipping from Kenya to Benin. Wow. So that, I thought, is what the African Union was actually working on, and they had some new policy to help facilitate. But it turns out that... It's not enforced. Even if it exists, it's not enforced. Not yet. Uh, we will get the one. Okay, if you're listening, African Union members, please get it together and start creating these policies that actually facilitate African manufacturing, cross-border African movement of clean energy and climate-friendly goods. Okay, I've said my piece. Now, back to your question, yeah, Andrew. Back to my question. Let's, yes. pull it back. Let's pull it back to product and business because yeah. I, I, I'm very interested in the, in the company. And so, Olo, tell me more about the product, the customer base, and some of the customer acquisition strategy that Zed Motors has. Zed Motors um, has started in Francophone Africa, mainly, and then we say plus Nigeria because that's where people use two- and three-wheelers the most. Right. There's a, a movement in that started in Benin, and, and now it's across right. all of Africa, which is the taxi motorcycle business. Right. So in Benin Republic, we have over 200,000 motorcycle drivers. And the same thing in Kenya, Tanzania, Nigeria as well. Uh, I know in certain cities like Lagos, it's banned today, but uh, that's the main way people um, go from point A to point B. So starting off in Benin and some of the Francophone African countries, we wanted to start by transitioning the taxi and delivery service drivers to electric first. So today we are working with ride-hailing app businesses. One in West Africa is called Gozim. It's Uber-like, but for two-wheelers. We are allowing the drivers to transition to using electric um, motorcycles, as well as delivery service companies. So what's happened is that if you want to adopt an electric uh, motorcycle or tricycle, you come to Z Motors, you subscribe, and then we offer you an electric motorcycle. You go to um, a battery swapping station to swap out batteries, the same way you will purchase fuel. In doing so, uh, it removes the cost barrier to EV adoption. So on the cost of the vehicle, 50 to 60% is the battery cost. That's why EV today costs twice as much as the regular petrol ice vehicles. So we say at Z Motors, if we own the battery and we rent it out the same way people purchase fuel, then it makes EV adoption 50% or 60% less expensive. For scalability, we design uh, an automated battery dispenser. If you have an Android phone, you just scan the QR code and the payment is removed from your mobile money wallet. 
in Africa, almost everyone today has a mobile money wallet where uh, we use mobile money to make payment instead of using a Visa card or a debit card. That's a one way to scan, pay, and get a fully charged battery. The other way is you use something that we call USSD. You have a regular, I'm not advertising for Nokia, but the old style Nokia phone, my grandmother is using that. Yeah. She just needs to type star 617 dash, and then she has all the information. So today you don't need human intervention before you rent out a fully charged battery. When we are talking about fully charged battery, it's enough electricity to run an electric motorcycle or a tricycle for 70 to 100 kilometers. This is decent electricity to power tools as well. So you ride your electric motorcycle to the farm. You plug your irrigation pump to it, and you power your irrigation pump to irrigate your farm. You are a carpenter. You drive your electric motorcycle to your factory, and you power your working tools on your electric motorcycle. A mobile power plant. Very exciting. Thank you. Exactly. So, so this model not only has positive environmental impact, but also the economics around it as well. It's great for the retailer that's managing the battery swapping station, but also the end user who is saving money, but also always having a charge, right? Yeah. yeah. Very cool. So walk me through the application itself. You said that it's Uber-like, so I'd imagine there's a map of different charging stations at the various retailers. Walk me through that. So what we are doing right now in Africa is uh, to set up the network for battery swapping, also EV charging. Traditional motorcycles and car manufacturers are waiting for the network to be in place before they start producing and importing onto the continent the electric vehicles. So it's not that the traditional motorcycle manufacturers cannot produce electric motorcycles. They can, and they will. So for us, if the network is not in place, they are not going to fast accelerate production uh, to make this happen. So once the battery swapping network is built, once the charging infrastructure is built, the rate in which everyone in Africa will basically transition to using electric motorcycle, tricycle, electric cars will be basically within two years. So today what we are doing through our software, you can be able to see the closest battery um, dispenser with fully charged battery. Right. right. And also, we tied another aspect to it, which is if you bring the battery to swap, if you have 50% electricity left in your battery, it's accounted for. So people start saving leftover energy in their wallet. So what will happen in the future is that people will start trading energy if they want to. Wow, very cool. So what's your biggest challenge right now? Our biggest challenge right now is to get more policymakers, uh, legislators, uh, and engineers, as well as financiers, uh, together around the same table and build the African EV charging network of the future. And uh, coming to events like COP28 is very helpful because we know we cannot do it alone. It will take more than just one country like Benin or Nigeria or Togo. It will take all of us. And why do I say that? With the solar energy business, it was easier for us because it's in one place. It's static, right? So you put it on the roof, it's on the house. With EV, it's moving. So my electric car or my electric uh, motorcycle or tricycle can, can ride from Benin to Togo. It only takes two hours to go from Benin to Togo. Those, these are tiny countries. So if there's no battery swapping or charging 
network in Togo. How do I go from Benin to Togo and come back to Benin? Yeah. Right. So these countries need to work together. You mentioned this cross-border aspect of necessity. There is this concept that we use often. It's actually very widespread. It's in the corporate environment. It's in the startup environment. It's in climate. It's in everything regarding sustainability, and that's JEDI, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. It's this idea that we need more diversity and inclusion and just and equitable approaches to actually meet our goals, climate and otherwise. How does Zed Motors incorporate this JEDI lens into its work? When Christian and I, we launched Zed Motors, we wanted to use the new technology in terms of transportation EVs to tackle gender issue in the transportation sector as a whole, in not just Africa, but in the global south, starting with Africa. One thing we realized uh, traveling across Africa is that uh, there's almost zero women in the transportation sector in Africa. So we, we launched Zed Women in Benin, which is a way of saying that uh, the first driver that will uh, receive electric motorcycles from us will be women. So we launched, the, we launched the program and we wanted to have some mentors who are like very successful business women to coach these women drivers that can even own the fleet and rent them out to male uh, drivers who are professional drivers already with experience. But it didn't work at all. We failed. And one of the reasons we felt was more cultural than business or design work. Culturally, it's not well received to have a woman driving a two-wheeler and having male passenger on the back. So it was um, a big challenge for us. Um, the same program now, we are trying to do it with the municipality of Bamako in Mali. Mm -hmm. And since the mayor of Bamako is a woman, we are hoping that she can help influence a bit of the cultural mindset that people have. So including uh, gender into our work, we want to do it. It's on paper, but implementing it is more difficult than what we think when we are outside of the continent. Huh, you should start with the women engineers. I'll say this as a trained engineer. There's a plethora, as you know, of women-trained engineers on the continent. I studied uh, for a semester at the University of Cape Town in South Africa. We were quite numerous in terms of women representation. And so perhaps switching to the other parts of the business, like engineering, you, you mentioned software engineers and needs there. Perhaps that's one way that could be more culturally acceptable at this moment. I think there's some various organizations working on women in STEM that could maybe help you meet some of those uh, gender equity goals quicker in a more culturally appropriate way to begin with. Yeah, that, that's a good idea. We, within the company itself, we have more women than men. So we are a team of about 20 people and we have like 14 or 15 uh, women. Uh, so internally within the business, it's okay because when you, have, you try to hire, you rank, you can use algorithm like that and put gender as part of your, your equation or okay. your parameters to hire. But when you want to do it on a larger scale, then um, the cultural anthropological aspect kicks in. Right. And uh, we are still, it's not that it's uh, impossible and uh, nothing is impossible. We are still trying to think about how we can use technology to include more women into the, the new era of transportation. At the end of the day, I think what's most important is what is the local context and what are the value systems in the local context that we try to support and not to impose 
other value systems into the local context, but to more empower and to support and find ways to integrate into systems so we can all be more equal, more inclusive. We talk a lot about the product, the technology, the cultural nuances, but also the cross-border challenges even within the African continent. And I want to give you the opportunity to share some exciting updates about your company, uh, upcoming events that you'll be at. Where can people find you? Thank you. This has been amazing. <laughs> I wasn't expecting such an engaging conversation with you guys. So thank you very much uh, for giving me the opportunity to share my story and then to share about uh, what Z Motors is doing and is trying to do. So right now we are in the process of raising funds, but also raising people <laughs> to set up uh, 50,000 uh, automated battery uh, swapping um, stations to provide electricity for 150,000 delivery service drivers uh, in Africa. One of the best ways to find us or to reach out to us is on LinkedIn, or also on our website, www.zed-motors.com. Hello, this has been fantastic. We've learned so much. Thank you so much for stopping by our studio here on the expo area at COP28. This has been an enlightening conversation. Thank you so much, Olu. It was great to have you. I hope you enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you. Thank you very much. For those interested in learning more about the Global South Climate Tech Podcast and the organizations behind it, please check out www.gsclimatetech.com. The Global South Climate Tech Podcast is produced by Frequency Media. This episode was recorded on-site at COP28 in Dubai. Our executive producer is Michelle Corey. Our sound designer, field engineer, and editor is Claire Bidigari-Curtis. Our producer is Lizzie Stewart, and our associate producer is Sara Naz Jad Babayi. And we're your co-hosts, Marilyn Waite and Andrew Chang. <laughs>